It's May 2023. Welcome to Muse News, the BCMA's monthly museum sector news podcast. Each month, we recap some of the latest breaking news, happenings, and announcements from museums, galleries, and heritage organizations across BC and beyond. I'm Leah Patterson. And I'm Ryan. Join us as we explore the latest Muse News. Over to you, Ryan. Thanks, Leah. Prince George Art Gallery names new executive director. George Harris has been appointed executive director at the Two Rivers Gallery. Harris has served as a curator of the Prince George Gallery since 2001, previously serving as director and curator of the Yukon Art Center Gallery and the Prince George Art Gallery. Quote, I am thrilled to be able to continue working with Two Rivers, albeit in a new role, on the traditional, unceded territory of the Clately Tanay, Harris said in a statement issued. It has been such a pleasure to work with so many artists and members of our community over the years. Through art, we can see the world differently, understand unfamiliar perspectives, and challenge our time more deeply and effectively to create change. As I shift into this new role, I reflect on the extraordinary team of people who I'm fortunate to work with. I look forward to continuing this journey with the staff and board of Two Rivers Gallery. Harris is a visual arts editor of Thimbleberry, a magazine of the arts in Northern BC, and is a past board member of the International Council of Museums Canada and the winner of the 2016 BC Museums Association Distinguished Service Award. BC First Nations welcome Pope's hint that Vatican will return Indigenous items. Representatives from several First Nations in BC are welcoming an unexpected hint from Pope Francis that the Vatican will return Indigenous items to their rightful homes. During a press conference on a flight between Hungary and Italy, the Pope said restitution is, quote, the right gesture, and that museums should return items whenever possible. Quote, the seventh commandment comes to mind. If you steal something, you have to give it back, he said through a translator. In the case where you can return things, it is necessary to make a gesture. It's good for everyone, so don't get used to putting your hands in someone else's pockets. Adam Olson, MLA for Saanich North and a citizen of Startlip First Nation, welcomed the sign that the Roman Catholic Church is trying to make amends. Quote, I think it really indicates that we are walking down a journey of reconciliation together and that the people who hold these sacred items are recognizing that there is a place for them, and it's not necessarily in a vault or on display, he said to Global News. When you look at how some of these items were put together from natural resources that were harvested, that were manipulated, that became a net or an amazing fishing technology, just for one example, you can start to understand how complex these societies were. Luann Neal, a Kwakwakiwak artist, said that she was surprised to read the Pope's words, describing them as an open door and saying that there's a lot of unanswered questions, mostly around process. Quote, I'm a policy analyst by training, so I was really looking at how he phrased all of it. It made me think about how they will differentiate between what's stolen and what's not, and what kind of records that's going to produce, she said in an interview. Quote, I think it's really important because I think it sets a tone for museums around the world to really take a look at their documentation, their own paper trail, provenance. They have to be able to demonstrate provenance, the origin of these pieces, so that if they do embark on repatriation, they return it to the right communities. Over to you, Leah. Thanks, Ryan. BC government provides 20 million to repair Science World's leaky dome. 
Premier David Eby announced today Science World will receive $20 million in funding from the government of British Columbia towards upgrading the iconic geodesic dome that bookends the easternmost end of False Creek. This will specifically go to repairing the dome, which is currently facing major issues with leakages, along with critical upgrades for heating, ventilation, air conditioning, or HVAC, electrical systems, energy efficiency to reduce operating costs, and the structural pilings. The active dome leakage issues are also why the 350-seat Omnimax theater contained within the dome above the exhibition levels has been closed for years. Unfortunately, right now, Science World is facing some challenges. The dome above us is the only part of the building that hasn't been updated since Expo 86, and it shows, said EB during this morning's press conference. This adds to the $10 million allocated to Science World by the Government of Canada in October of 2022 toward critical building and gallery renovations, including upgrades to the dome, new energy-efficient lighting, mechanical upgrades, and improved accessibility features. The upgrade project is now supported by a total of $30 million in combined provincial and federal funding. It is Science World's single largest renovation since the 2011 completion of a $35 million retrofit and expansion, with the provincial and federal governments each providing $10.5 million at the time. Work is already well underway on replacing the nighttime LED lights that illuminate the dome, which is expected to be relit nightly starting this summer. The exterior dome lights, last replaced more than a decade ago, have been progressively burning out in recent years, and last summer the lighting system was completely turned off. Rope access technicians have been observed working on the dome, replacing its lights, during fair weather conditions since early this year. Science World was built in 1985 in time for its use as the Expo Center during Expo 86 and it was only intended to be a temporary building for the six-month World's Fair. Major improvements were made after Expo 86 for the building's conversion and reopening as Science World in 1989. Quote, thanks to the talented engineering and maintenance staff that we have at Science World, we've made the dome last for 35 years, said Tracy Reddy's CEO of Science World. But the future has caught up with the, our iconic dome, and we do need to make some significant upgrades to continue to serve British Columbians and visitors from around the world. EB suggested that the decision makers of the early 1980s were short-sighted with their decision to build a temporary dome, instead of proceeding with the available option at the time to build a permanent dome. Quote, the problems at Science World, the challenges, and the opportunities here started with the decision originally to build a temporary dome instead of a permanent dome, he said. The types of critical building system upgrades being funded by the provincial government are difficult for Science World to privately fundraise, added EB. Reddy's also noted that Science World will be launching a new fundraising campaign soon to help cover the cost of other future improvements. Sacred Journey makes a splash as it lands at Victoria's Royal BC Museum. Discover lost traditions of the Indigenous peoples of the Pacific Northwest through the Sacred Journey exhibit, now in Victoria. The traveling exhibit will be at the Royal BC Museum from May 5th to October 29th. Previously at the Campbell River Museum and at Vancouver's Science World, it took more than seven years and $300,000 to create. Sacred Journey tells the story of the harm caused by colonization on land and water 
and the sickness and death brought to the Pacific Northwest First Nations through epidemics and disease transfer during the early colonial period. But the exhibit also highlights the strides Indigenous people have made since then to take back their traditions. The exhibit's Victoria Grand Opening started Thursday, May 4th with a canoe landing protocol, seeing canoe families traveling to the waters of Victoria's Inner Harbor. Once arriving at the shore, the families asked permission to come ashore from the Lekwungen people through representatives of the Songhees and Esquimalt Nations before heading to Thunderbird Park for lunch and the blessing ceremony. Songs and dance were shared at the ceremony along with speeches from elders and community members. Heltzuk Hereditary Chief Frank Brown said, quote, Now, as we decolonize, the canoe serves as a vessel of youth and community empowerment that connects us to our culture, language, and traditions, including moving ourselves toward health and wellness. Brown is excited about the sacred journey and said it incorporates cutting-edge technology. The exhibit showcases art, audio, video, and interactive pieces. Admission to the exhibit is free. Over to you, Ryan. Chilliwack Museum saw exhibition admissions more than double in 2022. Chilliwack Museum officials were at City Hall with a report to Council showing that they've not only recovered since the pandemic, but have surpassed previous benchmarks in every conceivable way. Quote, We are a thriving, blossoming, and ambitious organization, said Pat Clark, chair of the Chilliwack Museum Historical Society Board of Directors. Concerted planning in 2022 resulted in a new mandate and a refreshed purpose for the society. They were thrilled to take Best Museum and Best Art Gallery in Chilliwack on the A-List Awards. Quote, We were here in October 2021, reeling from COVID like everyone else, Clark said in the May 2nd meeting. Happily, we can show you today how our organization has not only recovered, but surpassed pre-COVID accomplishments in the number of exhibitions, events, rental bookings, visitors, school group tours, and gift shop revenue. Guests from across BC, Holland, the Philippines, Newfoundland, and Ontario have perused the many exhibits, and the archives have fielded inquiries for historical information or photos from England, France, the U.S., and as well as several provinces. Quote, We are thankful to be primarily funded by the city of Chilliwack. In addition to your generous financial support, our society relies on a variety of small grants from other local, provincial, and federal organizations. With careful budget planning and oversight by our executive director and input from our board, our financial situation is very solid, Clark said. The Chilliwack Museum executive director, Shauna Dyer, described 2022 as an opportunity for rejuvenation, with admissions totaling a whopping 5,086 people. That's more than double admission totals seen in 2018. Indigenous artifact returned to Squamish Nation following Prince Edward's visit. The royal family will return two woven jackets that were taken from the Squamish Nation in the early 1910s. Prince Edward, the Duke of Edinburgh, has granted the return to the Squamish Nation traditional items that were held by the royal family for more than a century. A week before the coronation of King Charles III, Squamish Nation councillor Wilson Williams met with the Duke the youngest child of late Queen Elizabeth II and brother to now King at the Fairmont Waterview Hotel in Vancouver. William said that he is unsure exactly how the royal family acquired the items, thought to be given during a visit in 1915 or 1914, but the two woven wool jackets haven't been formally gifted. Quote, I approached the conversation directly by connecting with the family itself, said Williams. I said we come here with a gift 
of message on behalf of Squamish people, and that gift is about extending dialogue for repatriating items that are held in the royal family's hands. William said he understands that the artifacts are now possibly in a museum and might not be quick to obtain or return, but is happy to work with the royal family closely to set things in motion. Quote, We've been in dialogue since the meeting with our head admin staff and our team at the council working on next steps. Prince Edward is going to do his darndest to help move this forward, he said. William said the nation is now looking to the return of the jackets, created by the grandfather and grandmother of one of the nation's hereditary chiefs, as an act of reconciliation, and will be gifting them with a pair of replica woven jackets following their return. Quote, this signifies our contemporary relationship with the royal family, he said, adding that this is now a huge opportunity for the royals to show just how far they've come. Rare blankets made from fur of extinct woolly dog on display at North Vancouver Museum. The Salish woolly dog was historically sheared once a year for its thick fur. For thousands of years, the Salish woolly dog resided on BC's southwest coast, providing their owners with companionship and hair. Now, blankets woven from the fur of this extinct dog are on display at the Museum of North Vancouver until early July. The woolly dogs were part of a Coast Salish culture that was erased during colonization, says the museum's indigenous cultural programmer, Sinaquila Weiss. It's time to share their story now, as it's been pretty silenced for so long, said Weiss, who is from the Squamish First Nation. The dogs, which date back thousands of years, were small to medium-sized with white fur of a woolly texture, somewhat resembling the modern-day breed of the Spitz, according to Weiss. The dogs, known for their calm temperament, lived in longhouses or other types of dwellings with their owners and usually had their own beds. Quote, they were really our best friend, our companion. They would be the only animals coming into our homes. According to a 2020 study, their diet consisted almost entirely of seafood fed to them by their owners. The woolly dog population diminished when colonizers made contact and introduced cheaper sheep's wool from the Hudson's Bay Company. By 1900, they had virtually disappeared, with a few rare sightings on reserves up to 1940. Just as much as these dogs provided companionship, they played an important role in local culture and economy. Once a year in the spring, the dogs were sheared. Their fur was then cleaned and used to make rare and treasured ceremonial robes, often mixed with other materials like mountain goat wool, feathers, and plant fibers, according to the museum's website. This was one of the forms of our wealth, our weaving, said Weiss. As Salish people, we had a really strong connection to the woolly dogs. The museum will exhibit two of these blankets alongside other woolly dog artwork by Salish artists, including Chase Gray, Sarah Jim, and Elliot Whitehill. Weiss began working on this exhibit about two years ago when she discovered the museum had a woolly dog hair blanket in its archives that hadn't been publicly displayed in over a decade. The second robe on display is on loan to the museum by textile collector Terence Loychuk. Weiss said Loychuk was researching woolly dog hair and found the blanket in a thrift store in Langley. And now it's time for our Who's News segment. The Museum of Surrey are pleased to announce that Shayla Hunt is joining the exhibition team as the assistant curator of exhibits. Shayla loves curatorial work and is passionate about textiles. She's worked extensively in Ontario galleries and museums. The team at Museum of Surrey are excited to have Shayla and her expertise. Vernon Public Art Gallery are very happy to welcome Autumn Doucette 
and Alexa Stenquist to the team for the summer season. Both are excited to begin work on the annual event Ride on the Roof, which will feature a variety of emerging artists in all artistic forms. The City of Richmond's Steveston Heritage Sites are excited to introduce the new program manager, Leah Best. Leah joins the team with 17 years of senior ma museum management experience. Most recently, she was the director of research at the Royal BC Museum in Victoria, where she worked on innovative projects including exhibitions like Orcas Our Shared Future and the touring exhibition Broken Promises in partnership with the Nikai National Museum and the Landscapes of Injustice Research Collective. Previous to that, she was the executive director of the Nelson Museum, Archives and Art Gallery, and the assistant curator at the Vancouver Art Gallery. Leah's interest in community collaboration will be front and center as she supports the presentation of Steveston's heritage. The Quinell Museum and Archives museum manager, Elizabeth Hunter, and museum assistant, Kelly Davison, are delighted to welcome back Jaden Emsley as their education and outreach coordinator. MJ Anderson has also joined the staff for the summer as a curatorial assistant, working on exhibits and a perennial project to digitize the negatives of the Caribou Observer newspaper. Both are very excited to work with the UBC iSchool to create an archival internship. The museum will benefit from the skills of Dana Fleming, who will be arranging and describing the larger archival donations and helping to prepare the collection records for online access. The Quinell Museum and Archives are also very excited to celebrate the 60th anniversary of their opening. You can learn about the history of the museum and its many treasures by following their hashtag 60 post for 60 years campaign on Facebook. This has been May 2023. For the latest breaking news, information and more, follow the BC Museums Association on Instagram, LinkedIn or Facebook. Come back next month for the latest episode of News News.